0: Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the
1: web at mercyhill.cc.
0: Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians 15 this morning. We are in our series in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians. This is week, I believe, 27. And so we're kind of wrapping things up. We're on the home stretch here, finishing off uh, the book of 1 Corinthians. And as you turn there, I just want to read a story. On August 16, 1987, Northwest Airlines Flight 225 crashed just after taking off from the Detroit airport, killing 155 of the 156 people on board. One survived a four-year-old girl from Arizona named Cecilia. News accounts say that when rescuers found Cecilia, they did not believe she had been on the plane. Investigators first assumed Cecilia had been a passenger in one of the cars on the highway into which the airliner crashed. But when the passenger register for the flight was checked, there was Cecilia's name. Cecilia survived because even as the plane was falling... Cecilia's mother, Paula, unbuckled her own seatbelt, got down on her knees in front of her daughter, wrapped her arms and body around Cecilia, and then would not let her go. Nothing could separate this child from her mother's love. Not the free fall, not the impact, not the fire, not the wreckage. Nothing separated her from her mother's love. And she... Cecilia survived because her mother sacrificed her own life for her daughter. In many ways, that's a a reminder to us of the good news of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ, in His life, in His death, in His resurrection, stood in our place, wrapping His arms around us, saying, I will take the punishment that we deserve so that we could live, so that we could survive. It's so helpful for us to be reminded of what Jesus Christ has done. And as we turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul, in this this entire book, what he's doing is he's constantly Reminding the Corinthians, the the people in the church there, of the amazing and powerful love of Jesus Christ for them. and As we look at this book and we see all the screw-ups the Corinthians were doing, the reason we know how to do church today is because the Corinthian church had done it wrong at some point. Our entire understanding of church really comes from the Corinthian church. Because they had screwed everything up. And the Apostle Paul, in his wisdom, in his, in his understanding, and his grace towards the church, says, look, here's how you straighten some things out. Remember Jesus Christ. And so he begins in chapter 2 of this book. He begins to lay out what the gospel is. In chapter 15 now, he begins to... He begins to to help them remember what the gospel is. And he's saying, look, this good news of Jesus Christ has an effect on every area of our lives, whether it's our sexuality, whether it's the way we spend our money, whether it's the way we engage with a society outside of us that does not know Jesus Christ, whether it's the way we take communion or use spiritual gifts or care and love for one another, this all is impacted and affected and informed by Jesus Christ and what he's done For us on the cross. That's what the Apostle Paul is doing in this chapter. As he begins to kind of wrap things up. Saying, look, I want you to understand some things about Jesus Christ. Do not forget the gospel. It affects every area of our lives. And so let's turn over to 15 verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you. Which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Sorry, I need to get Kleenex here, sorry. It's not good when I start this way. All right. So why do we remind people? Why do we need a reminder? Why is it important for us to be reminded? Because we easily forget, don't we? We easily forget the truth. We easily forget what's most important. We need a reminder. That's why Paul's in this section. Now I want to remind you of some things. I know we've talked about a whole lot. We've covered a lot of ground up until this point. We've talked about many different things. But at this point in time, as we wrap things up, I want to remind you of some core truth that transforms and changes everything else about us and who we are. We get some really important things. The other day I was in the kitchen. We're eating dinner. And one of the kids begins to cry. And as they're crying, I go in, why are you crying? We're all sitting around the table. And the one brother says to me, my other brother sitting next to me has stabbed me in the head with a fork. It's unbelievable, but I need to remind the kids, don't stab your brother in the head with a fork. I actually have to say those things. Those are things that I have to say that come out of my mouth on a regular basis. His reply was that, well, I was eating and his head got in the way of my fork or something like that. Like, I just happened to just, you know... Stabbing my food and his head got in the way and just happened to, oh, sorry, stabbed in the head. It's your fault. Your head's in the way of my fork, right? We do this all the time. We tell our kids we get in the parking lot. Look, watch out for cars backing out of the parking lot, right? We have to constantly remind the kids of things that are very important, life-saving messages. We do this all the time. But as adults, we need to be reminded of this in Jesus Christ as well. When we're afraid, we need to be reminded that Jesus has promised to never leave us or forsake us. When we're hurting, we need to be reminded that Jesus Christ is our healer. When, when we're angry, we need to be reminded that Jesus Christ is our peace. When we're bitter, Jesus Christ can be in reconciliation. We need to be reminded as well, not just children, and that's what the Apostle Paul is doing in this to the church. Look, of all the things that we've gone through, of all the complexities of life, of all the, 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 the wisdom that it takes to engage with a world that is, that is turning against you and, and hates the truth that you proclaim and refuses to accept your message and thinks you're a bunch of weirdos for, the, for what you do and the way you do it, you need to be reminded of this truth of who Jesus Christ is and what He's done because this changes everything. Now in this, he goes through a couple things in these two verses. He says, I want you to remember some things. Remember what you received. Remember in that in which you stand. And remember that in this, you are being saved. So let's look at this first one. The gospel which you which you received. See, the good news is that this gospel message of Jesus Christ did not originate with the Corinthian church, as a matter of fact, didn't originate with any church, or with Paul, or with the other apostles. It's come to us through Jesus Christ, through Him alone. And it's not because of what we have done that we have this message, it's because of what Jesus Christ has done that we've been given this message. I want to just invite Jocelyn Heath up to share with us her testimony how God's Word has come to her and has transformed and changed her life.
1: Hey everybody, good morning. Johnny asked me to share my testimony with you guys. And uh, growing up Baptist, after we have our initial conversion to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we do this thing called rededication. Has anybody else heard about this? Familiar with it? Yeah. So when Johnny asked me to share my testimony, my first thought was, which one? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I do want to share a little bit about how I came to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Um, When I was 16, my parents got divorced. And it left me living in a uncomfortable living arrangement Uh, so by the time I was 18 I was ready to live on my own uh, which brought me to Tennessee I was I grew up in Florida Um, so living in Tennessee I got involved with a local church uh, campus ministry Amy was involved with the same one Um, weekly Bible studies I went to church every Sunday in fact, I lived with three college roommates and they were all Christians. Um, my my crazy college days were filled with playing volleyball, soccer, and late-night ping-pong matches, <laughs> you know. Um, but later I realized that a lot of these decisions to do the right thing were all from my mind. Um, So let's go to September 11th, 2001. That wasn't just a horrific national event, uh, but for me personally, uh, it led me to question my existence and my eternity. Uh, I'm sure we can all remember where we were on September 11th, uh, who we were with, what we were doing. Uh, In fact... I was in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I was having breakfast with Michelle Hamstra, and here I'm giving her a shout-out. She's not even here. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, we were having breakfast together, and we left that morning really asking ourselves, are we living our life to the fullest, and really understanding that we weren't promised tomorrow? Um, I went back to my apartment after breakfast and I was in my room and I remember sitting on my bed and was really reevaluating my relationship with Jesus. And I was like, so sad because I didn't have one. You know, all these decisions to do the right thing was just because I was told to or I knew I was supposed to, but it wasn't from my heart. Um, That I remember just in that moment being totally embraced by the Holy Spirit and realizing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me, you know? Love. He loved me. And um, I made a decision at that moment that I wanted to have that relationship with Jesus. And I was crying because I just realized it was from my heart. You know, it wasn't from my mind. And um, that night, us crazy college kids went out to celebrate at Steak and Shake. Um, but looking back now, I really see how the local church, how the Holy Spirit used the local church to bring me to have a relationship with Jesus. You know, with accountability, teaching, love. Being a Christian was something I saw to be attractive, something I wanted for myself. You know, words like love, faith, forgiveness, and grace all transferred from words that I understood, like vocabulary definitions, to things I had really experienced in my life. I'm just so thankful for all of you here at Mercy Hill and our family, you know, and that encourages me to focus on living for Christ every day. You know, uh, being a Christian is difficult. And most of the time I feel that I'm failing miserably. Um, But I always have a sister in Christ or my husband or even my kids (laughs) that remind me that Jesus died on the cross for sinners just like me. And um, I'm a walking testimony of the facts of a local church like Mercy Hill. And, and really, I encourage all of us to attend LifeShare groups. You know, uh, go to play dates at Joanna's, you know, the prayer meetings at Julian and Yemi's. Um, share, you know, serve in children's ministry. You know, be, be a part of the family. And if that's intimidating, be an usher, you know. Uh, <laughs> there's something for everybody, is the point, right? <laughs> um, the Christian life isn't easy, and we need each other. Thank you,
0: Joss. Thank you, <clears throat> Josh. Thank you. Appreciate that, Joslyn. Thank you. You know, I I want to just stress that this is a message that needs to be received. Right? It's not that we just show up to church, that we do good things, that we work hard, and somehow then, then we've got it. It's not the case at all. It's actually just the opposite. It's as if, like Joslyn said, it's it's a message to be believed and trusted in that we transforms and changes us not the amount of good work that we do or the striving we do or somehow kind of mental you know mentally we're able to finally understand this deep truth that no one else could the simple gospel message is one that is believed when we believe this gospel message something happens on the inside of us God says we come to life there is a transformation there is a change we are given the holy spirit which which brings us to life to real, full life. It's a message to be received. My challenge for us today is if you've never received this message, if you've never believed this message, it does not matter the amount of time you've spent at church, the amount of money you've given to good things, the amount of hard work that you've done for other people. What matters is that we receive the message of Jesus Christ. That is what is most important, because that is the very thing, this faith in Jesus Christ, is that is the very thing which transforms us and changes us, not our striving or tally of good works. That's a message to be received, it's received by faith. Next thing he says this, is that we stand, that we stand in the message of the gospel. We receive this message, but we also stand in it. I remember a few years ago, um, there was, we were on this, we we're at the airport, and between the, I think we are in, in Atlanta, maybe, between the terminals, there's like this, like, tram thing, monorail, it's, it, what is it, tram, right? That's what it's called, okay, tram. You guys, if you've ever been on one, it's like, it's just a bunch of poles in the middle of, the, of, the, of this thing, and you kind of hold on to a pole, and it, it takes off real fast, and then it's like a roller coaster. You just go, 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 and awesome. Right before you get to the end, it's just like er! and kind of, kind of throws everyone forward like this, you know. It's not this real easy kind of transition. It's it just right. Well, we're on the tram, and as we begin to go, as you start going, it's fine. And then there's a guy next to me who's just kind of on his on a cell phone. and He's not paying attention. I'm like, hey, hun, watch this guy over here. We're about to just stop, and uh, he's not gonna go so well for this guy, you know. Instead of like actually telling the guy, like, hey, buddy, you might want to pay attention. It's like, hey, hon, watch this. It's going to be really funny. Um, ironically, I don't remember what happened. So that's the end of the story. But here's my point. When you're on your cell phone and you're not paying attention and you're about ready to stop on one of those trams, it, and it actually does, like, come to a sudden stop, what happens? You, you fall, right? And when you're falling, what are, you, what are you going to grab onto? Anything that you can, right? Maybe the pole but maybe it's another person or it's the seat or whatever you can get your hands on it to, to break your fall, to stop you from falling to the ground, you're going to smash your face, right? You know, it, it makes sense. When, when we stand in the gospel and, and things begin to get difficult in our lives, we get the phone call from the doctor or that difficult phone call from a relative or whatever it may be, and that when we're not holding and standing in the gospel, what are we going to grab onto? Well, anything that we can. Maybe it's shopping. Maybe it's eating. Maybe it's porn. Maybe it's a, another relationship. Maybe it's more work. But whatever we can to stop our fall, and so we're going to grab for whatever, whatever's around us. And he's telling the church, look, I want you to stand in this, because you are going to get that phone call. You are going to have that conversation with your boss. You are going to have that conflict with your spouse. You are going to experience hardship with your children. There's going to be a million things that are going to happen in your life. And the temptation is going to be for you to grab onto whatever you can, if you're not holding on to the gospel, for safety and for refuge and for peace. And if it's not the gospel, if it's not Jesus Christ, then you're going to be in big trouble. Because nothing else is given to support you other than Jesus Christ. Those things don't support us. They don't help us. Grabbing onto another passenger as we plummet to the ground, that's not going to help you or them. What keeps us standing is Jesus Christ. I think one of the reasons that we do not stand in the gospel, at least for my own life, is that I experience periods of unbelief. Right? Is God really going to provide for me all that I need? Is God really true to His Word? Are God's promises, can they be trusted all the time? Is God good in all that He does? Has He withheld from me things that I want? That I want right now? unbelief, unbelief says this, God, you've not provided something for me, therefore, I will get it for myself. I'll get it myself. I'll do what it takes to get the very thing that I need that you're withholding from me. If you think about it, it goes back really to the garden, Genesis, right? Did God really say, man, he's withholding from you? He didn't provide that. He didn't say you can have that. Go ahead and get it yourself. It's yours. It's the same, it's the same lie, same temptation from the very beginning till today. And when we do that, when we're grabbing on to other things other than Jesus Christ, we are experiencing unbelief in our lives. We're not believing in God's promises and who he is and what he said. And we'll take for ourselves that which we want and you know what? It never works. It never works. It didn't work for Adam and Eve it didn't work for anyone in scriptures and it doesn't work for us. It never works. So what does that what does that look like? It looks like trusting God's ways and living God's purposes for our lives. I remember playing at, playing in the pool with the children and they you're, you're in the water and the kids are on the edge of the pool and they jump in right and you catch them you take a step back, okay, jump again, take a step back, jump again. And there finally comes a point where the, the kid says, look, I'm not jumping anymore. You're too far away, right? It, it's not going to work. I, I'm not going to make it to you. I'm going to drown, or it's going to go really poorly for me. You're not going to catch me. And I have to tell the kids, look, I got this. Look, it's, it's not my first rodeo, man. I, I'm going to, I can catch you, all right? But they don't believe in what I'm telling them. They're not believing what I said. Like I will catch you. I promise. I've got this. It's not that hard. But for them, it's this. It's this moment of of do they believe in what I'm saying? Are they trusting in me? And that's what we do with Jesus Christ. Oftentimes, it's saying, "Look, trust me. Trust me in what you, in the way you live your life. Trust me with your attorney. Trust me with your with 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 your problems and your." your struggles and your brokenness, trust me with these things. I can handle it. And oftentimes we are at the edge of the pool saying, look, I don't think so. This is too big. This is too difficult. I don't know. I, I, just, I, can't, see it. I can't see this ever working out for me this way. Man, it's, it's, you're too far away. How are you ever going to catch me? When we, when we get upset with someone and we want to fire right back, That moment we need to trust Jesus. A relative or friend takes something from you. We want to go and make sure everyone knows about it, knows what a jerk they are. We need to trust Jesus. When someone at work slanders you, and the temptation would be to slander them right back, make sure everyone knows who they really are and what they've really done, we need to trust Jesus in that. And that is the difficult part of faith. That is living out our faith in the moment-to-moment, day-to-day experiences of life. We trust God in the things, the mundane of our our lives, the grind of work and coming home and, and all these things going on around us that somehow we would find a place of holding on to Jesus, standing in the gospel. God, you've promised good to me. I'm going to stand in that and believe that. And lastly, he says this. He talks about being saved. Moms, are you the same mother as it, as you were when you first had that first child? No, you're, you're, you've been changed. You, you're different now. You're not the same. Your relationship with your children is is not static, but it's dynamic. It it grows. It it transforms, it looks different year to year, day to day. There's a transformation taking place in our lives. In our relationship with Jesus Christ, it's the same thing. Ephesians 2, verse 8 talks about us being saved. There is a moment of salvation. There is a moment where we are in one in one minute we're dead, and in the next minute we're alive. That's salvation, that is transformation, that is life. There's a moment in that where that happens, but we are also being saved. That our relationship with Jesus Christ is transforming, it's it's changing, it's growing, it's it's dynamic. It's not meant to be static. From the moment we've given our lives to Christ, as Jasmine would testify till today, she's a different person. Her walk with the Lord is, is is different. We we go from glory to glory. There's a change, there's a transformation. As we continue in the faith, we continue to hold on to Jesus Christ. That is why, on Sunday mornings, we are intentional about the songs that we sing. Because we want to sing songs that magnify and glorify and remind us of who Jesus Christ is. Why we hear testimonies. Why we invite Tony to come up or anyone else to come and say, look, share with us what's going on in your life and remind us of who Jesus Christ is. Why we sing the songs, why we have testimonies, why we place ourselves before the word, why we give, why we serve, all these things are intentional for us to place ourselves before the supremacy of Jesus Christ in everything. That we would be transformed and changed, that our relationship with him, that he would be supreme in all of our lives. And that for us, getting together to proclaim his name and sing his songs and to lay our lives before his word, it recalibrates us and it helps us and it reminds us of who he is and what he's done. That's why we do these things. It's not just formality that we've got to get through to get on with the rest of our day. This is vital life for us. So we could stand firm as we receive the gospel and stand firm in it as we're being saved and transformed to be more like Jesus Christ. That is why we do what we do every single week. Because it's important for us. And it doesn't just happen on a Sunday morning. It's why we read our word. It's why we gather together to pray. So we spend time together talking about the things of the Lord. Because it helps us to remember, it helps us to recall. It helps us to, to see Jesus in all of life. <coughs> Excuse me. This is the good news that Jesus Christ has come, He's died, and rose again. And now He calls us to continue to remember and to walk in all that He's done for us. Let's pray. Lord, we pray this morning, Lord, that we would, in those moments of our lives, God, where we are tempted to not trust, to not stand in all that you are and all that you've done for us, Lord, I pray. God, help us to remember. Jesus, thank you for the word that was proclaimed to us, that you brought to us, whether it was through a a friend, church, a campus ministry, a relative, our moms. Jesus, thank you for the word that we received. Lord, we pray this morning. We go forth from here, God, that we would remember that we would trust you in all the areas of our lives, whether that's the good parts or it's the most difficult part of who we are. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for bringing us into your family. Thank you that we've been adopted into your family. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.